0: welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about the Ohio State Supreme Court. It's a mandamus uh, case on the abortion ballot language, which was approved by State Attorney General Dave Yost and the Ohio Ballot Board that's chaired by uh, Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Um, And then a case was filed, a mandamus action, challenging the ballot board's action that they said that the language was single-subject. And uh, we're going to be talking to the attorney that filed that uh, mandamus action at the state Supreme Court. But let me give you a little background. So as many of you know, on this program, we've talked about that the abortion industry in this state is working to put a constitutional amendment, which would, if passed in November, if they get to the ballot, would legalize abortion on demand through the ninth month. It would essentially wipe out all of Ohio's pro-life laws that we've worked on over the last three decades. Uh, The most recent, of course, was Ohio's heartbeat law, which was signed into law just a year and a half ago by Governor Mike DeWine. And it also is currently being challenged in the Ohio Supreme Court. After the fall of Roe v. Wade last June and with the Dobbs decision, uh, state Attorney General Dave Yost did file for the injunction on the Heartbeat Law to be lifted, and it was. And for about four months, it was enacted in Ohio, and it was saving lives. Then the pro-aborts in Cincinnati filed in a municipal court challenging the constitu- state constitutionality of the heart- Ohio's Heartbeat Law. State Attorney General Dave Yost, with the state's interest, appealed it to the state Supreme Court. That link is on our website at OhioCA.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. Then uh, comes the pro-aborts to push forward with a constitutional amendment that would legalize abortion uh, through the ninth month of pregnancy, uh, basically taking us back to the dark days of Roe here in Ohio, if it was to be passed by the Ohio voters in November. But there's a lot of ifs there. If they're able to secure enough signatures, if they're able to get it on the ballot, and if it passes by at least currently at 51 percent, then it would be part of our state constitution. It would be enshrined, as they say, into the state constitution. And, folks, we can't let that happen. We've not fought all these years to defend the unborn and the pro-life cause, only to see it wiped away with uh, a slick ad campaign by the pro-abortion industry, Planned Parenthood, ACLU, a group of abortion doctors and pro-choice Ohio, all working together to put this on a fall ballot. We must, as pro-life Ohioans, fight against it, convince our neighbors and friends to also vote against it. Uh, but we got a long way to go. Thankfully, there is fight in on our side. At first, it looked as if we were just laying down. I mean, here comes the abortion ballot language to State Attorney General Dave Yost, who admittedly is a pro-life, uh, you know, individual. Uh, but he approved the ballot language as it stood. I mean, he didn't have any uh, cause or question to send it back to the group for a rewrite, and it was approved on the first draft, which, by by honestly, that's, that's almost never happened. I mean, it's very rare for that to happen. So we were kind of shocked by that. Then comes the, ballot, the state ballot board. And normally the ballot board, what is their duty? Their duty is to determine whether it's single subject. If it's not single subject, they have to divide it into parts. Summary language has to be written. It goes back to the attorney general for review, and then the group is cleared to start circulating petitions uh, for what they need to get on the ballot in November. But here comes uh, Cincinnati Right to Life and a couple of realtors. These are the folks representing the case out of Cincinnati, Ohio, thankfully. And their attorney was with us on the phone. Uh, Kurt Hartman filed a mandamus action on the ballot board's action saying that it was single-subject. And, Kurt, welcome to the program, and first of all, thank you for filing this lawsuit.
2: Uh, Chris, glad to have done it, and glad to be with you
1: here today. Well, again, as we say, uh, this was great that we saw someone standing up and fighting because, you know, know, I'm a layman, I'm not an attorney, but I looked at it, I said, well, there's multi-subject in there, and I've asked some of the state legislators, they see multi-subject in there, Tell us what you saw when you saw the ballot language and why you filed this uh, mandamus action.
2: No problem. Like, like you said, you're correct. The Ohio Ballot Board's duty is, at this stage, to simply say is what they're proposing, one subject, one general subject or purpose, or does it have multiple subjects or purpose? And, disappointingly, the Ohio Ballot Board met last Monday on March 13th, and really with no discussion, no analysis, no assessment. I just made the decision that it was, uh, and that was kind of really disappointing. You know, they have a legal standard that has to be met, and none of them even raised or questioned: Does this meet that legal standard of one subject or not? In the particulars of our case, what we've done is, you know, we basically looked at the language that's being proposed, and it's amazing if you really look at it, it is very broad, as you indicate, very broad as to what it's doing. It's really not limited to abortion. They basically, in the first section, say every individual has a right to make decisions concerning you know, their, quote-unquote, one's own reproductive decision. One's own reproductive decision. That's the right they're granting to people. Then they go on and say this right to uh, make a reproductive decision includes, but is not limited to contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, abortion, and miscarriage care. And we looked at that and it's like, wait a minute, boy, that is a big sweep of what they're trying to grant. And it's not even fully clear what what's the breadth of what they're offering. But we kind of looked at the abortion issue and all the phrase, you know, the decision to continue one's own pregnancy. And when you look at abortion. And, you know, we've had 50 plus years now of litigation in the courts addressing abortion. And what we basically did, you know, we went back to the two cases from the U.S. Supreme Court that are the darlings of the pro-abortionists, Roe v. Wade and uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. We looked at those decisions and said, hey, what has the U.S. Supreme Court said about abortion? And in Roe, In Roe v. Wade, the U.S. Supreme Court said abortion is, quote-unquote, inherently different, close-quote, than other reproductive issues like contraception and marriage and that. In the Casey decision, the U.S. Supreme Court said abortion is, quote-unquote, a unique act. So here we've got the U.S. Supreme Court saying abortion is inherently different and it's a unique act. And so we started saying, wait a minute. If abortion is those things that the U.S. Supreme Court said, i.e. in the cases that the pro-abortionists love, then why is it being lumped in as a single subject with all these other things, with miscarriage care? And, and so basically we have relied upon the Rhoda case and the Casey decision to basically say abortion is unique. Abortion is inherently different, and therefore it is not one subject, and at the Ohio ballot board, disregarded the law and abused its discretion when they, with no debate, said, uh, this is all one subject, go get your signatures. And so we believe we're calling upon the you know, Ohio Supreme Court to step in to ensure the law is, pro- is properly applied, uh, and that if you're going to propose multiple things that are not related, i.e. things that are distinctly different, you have to get separate petitions on that, you know, um, and part of it was, I think, if you look at the campaign that they're doing for this uh, amendment, you know, they're trying to wrap it, you know, into, you know, more innocent sounding, you know, things uh, such as miscarriage care. You know, if somebody has a miscarriage, you know, yeah, they need to be have treatment and t- taken care of on that. And so I think they're trying to uh, kind of repackage the debate. You and I know their whole issue. Is like you said, abortion on demand up to the nine months, and um, they're trying trying to, I think, deceive the voters by how what, how they're characterizing it, and so we're hoping at least this lawsuit and forcing the ballot board to go back and split this into multiple issues, so we can have the focus be on what the true issue is, and that is, you know, uh, killing of the unborn and legalizing abortion.
1: You know, it was so important to challenge this decision by the ballot board because, uh, you know, basically there is multi-subjects within this language, and then that was going uh, just with a rubber stamp through the attorney general, through the ballot board, and off and running these folks were uh, with their signature quest. And to the, to the shock, quite honestly, of many of us who believe that there would have been uh, a process by the Attorney General who would have looked at the language that was submitted uh, and also you know, probably found some things legally challenging uh, within the language itself. Normally, the Attorney General does. Uh, over the years, we've had experiences as an organization, uh, whether we've been working on an amendment to the Constitution over the years, uh, sure. whether it was the Ohio Marriage Amendment or the Healthcare Freedom Amendment, uh, Marcy's Law, Uh, Normally, uh, these things, uh, there's a couple of different scrutinies that the attorney general puts the group through before uh, he approves the language. Then it goes to the ballot board, and it's determined there, as we just uh, indicated, uh, that it is um – determine whether it's single subject. That is basically what the ballot board does. What is it one or two issues? And uh, so, for folks, uh, you remember back in the day, uh, vote yes on one and two or something like that. You've seen those kinds of campaign ads. That's because a ballot issue was divided up and then summary language has to be written that defines exactly what the proposal is. That summary language has to be reviewed by the attorney general. So, um, Mr. Hartman, uh, we, again, we want to thank you for challenging this because I think you have a very strong case uh, before the state Supreme Court. So walk us through what the process is now. We have the li- live link on the case on our website at OhioCA.org. And uh, so uh, the filings were made, and then uh, where do we stand with the case currently? Where,
2: yeah, where do we stand? We just came out, got an order in terms of scheduling, and we were fine with the schedule. Uh, from the Supreme Court, after we filed our complaint, the um, ballot board and their members, as well as the petitioners advocating this, they will have their answers filed by tomorrow. And my brief, our first brief, is going to be due this coming Friday. So we'll file our brief on Friday. The other side will file their response. I believe it's next Tuesday, and then the following Friday is when our last brief is due. So things going to be teed up within a week and a half, two weeks, ready for a decision. Uh, by the ohio supreme court be fully briefed the arguments will have been made um and you know i could see it probably taking about three to four weeks probably early may uh before we get a good decision we'll get a decision and hopefully a good decision out of the ohio supreme court saying ballot would screwed up this is two topics go back to square one and split this thing up so
1: as it is, the group has till July 5th is the deadline to submit their signatures uh, if it's going to be on the 2023 ballot. Even some of their spokesmen uh, and spokeswomen have said, whether it's on the 2023 or 2024 ballot, that is yet to be determined. Now, it seems as if they are hard after it currently right now. I, I'd guesstimate their signature gathering is probably around 20 to 25,000 that they've already uh, gathered. But let's uh, play this out a little bit. Uh, let's say that um, the court does grant mandamus action and then sends it back to the ballot board. Uh, does, are they, They're not ordering the ballot board. What they're saying is the ballot board needs to review again that this is multi-subject. How how might that decision play out? Or it, how, it
2: could. Well, there's, there's two options, really, the court could take. They could simply say, ballot board, you should have had more of a discussion and analysis in the first instance before it came to the court. We're sending it back to you to have that discussion, that debate, um, and make the analysis. Is is this one topic or two topics? That's one option the court could do. The second option the court could do is say, no, we can look at this proposal ourselves, and that's not play any more games. What we, the court, say it is two topics and it needs to be divided. And then it would go back to the ballot board to formalize that action. Then the proponents would have to submit the separate summaries for each thing so the court, court has a few options as to how far they want to pursue it or how far they want to order corrective action by the ballot board they can do part way they can just say you go determine it in the first instance or the court could say no this is so self-evident we're going to make it the ruling right here and now um, you know if we are successful on either account you know, will it delay their signature efforts yeah because if it, especially if it gets split, then they have to go back and do summaries again for both of the new uh, petitions as split into two
1: separate proposals. And that also means that the signatures that they've gathered so far are no longer valid. Is that right? That is
2: correct. That would be correct.
1: So they'd have yeah. to start over their signature campaign all over again. And um, so that's that's how this is going to play out, folks. But again... Um, so, as you just heard, that it may be late April, early May before a decision by the court is granted. We'll be watching it. The live link will be on the Ohio Christian Alliance website. Just search that. Look for Mandamus uh, uh, writ that was uh, uh, filed. That's a link for it. Uh, also, the heartbeat law as it works its way through the court. We don't expect a decision by the court until July. Uh, as both parties will weigh in on that case. So, I mean, you know, it when when it comes to life issue in this state, Kurt. Right now, all all eyes are on the state supreme court. Yes. You know, they, you know and
2: hopefully, hopefully they step up to the plate. And they, they, you know, this is simply a question of applying the law as written, and the law is clear. They can't have the two topics. It, you know, um, and I would hope they would rule, rule that way in this case, like they would in any other case. On and involving any other issue. So we're making the arguments. We're going to make, hopefully you'll get at least four of the justices. You know, right now we've got a four to three split on the Ohio Supreme Court, Republican versus Democrat. Um, and I'm not going to hold my breath on some some of the justices, I think. Uh, but I think, you know, we, we make the right argument. I think we, we can win the day.
1: So when we think of Mr. Dieters, uh, former prosecutor of Hamilton County, he had to recuse himself from the, well, actually he was asked to recuse himself by the uh, folks opposing Ohio's heartbeat law as he was the county prosecutor representing the case uh, in Cincinnati um, on the heartbeat law as it was being um, appealed. So he did recuse himself. The court will appoint a prosecutor. traveling judge to sit in on that case. Uh, what is the standing here with this case? Uh, Mr. Dieters isn't uh, obligated to recuse himself from this, is he?
2: No, he's not. You know, uh, Justice Dieters recused himself because in the, the case that was challenging the heartbeat, Bill, he, he was actually named as a defendant in that case as the county prosecutor. I see. And, and so since he was already a party to the case, and it was appropriate. He said, Yes, I'm going to recuse myself. And when a justice on the Ohio Supreme Court recuses uh, themselves, the uh, Chief Justice gets to choose one of the Court of Appeals judges to fill fit in for that case. And in the case of the Heartbeat Bill, Just, uh, Chief Justice Kennedy has already uh, designated uh, Judge Matt Byrne, who's with the 12th District Court of Appeals, Matt's out of Warren County, and um, to sit in for Justice Dieters on that one case. I, I agree with you. I think in this case, this is somewhat different. It does not necessitate that Justice Peters recuse himself. He wasn't a named party. He had no involvement in this. Uh, and so I think as a justice, there should be no issue about him sitting on this case.
1: Well, you know, sometimes the new court uh, that was just elected, obviously uh, Justice Kennedy won her state um, chief justice race against Mister. Mrs. Bruner, excuse me, And uh, all three Republicans won uh, their uh, respective state Supreme Court seats, and so as you say, it's now a 4-3 split. There'll be another race in 2024, of course, a couple seats come up. So um normally the court maybe just maybe eases into its first uh session, but this is high drama right on the front end. <laughs> <They're, laughs> the, the drinking drink from, is, that fire hose.
2: Drink from the fire drinking from the fire. I gotta tell you the Kennedy
1: court is front and center, is it not? I mean this is all yeah. eyes are on it, so wow. Well it, no, no, you know, I, I think,
2: and we've got a good court. We've we've worked for good justices, we've got good justices there, so um I think we're making the right arguments and hopefully Well, I'm going re- to I'm going to reserve
1: my opinion on that, Kurt. I got to be honest with you. Over the years, social conservatives have been asked to uh really work for court justices and all that, but we never seem to get decisions in our favor. And uh, you know, so that's been to our chagrin, and so we're going to be watching this very carefully how this plays out, uh both the heartbeat law and of course this mandamus uh, action. I, again, I've talked to some constitutional attorneys. So I said, well, what do you think? One, they speak very highly of you, sir. <laughs> and also they said, that, uh, they said that they said this is a strong case. Uh, so, again, we're just asking the jurists, uh, the judges on the bench, to do their duty. We're asking the ballot board to do its duty, which it seemed to just pass on. I mean, i got to yeah. tell you, I was a little bit shocked by that. I was shocked by the attorney general because, yeah. again, as I say, <laughs> we've done these things yeah. over the years, and it's almost a given that on the first draft it's like uh, – you know the pay, the the teacher always sends it the, the first draft of your t- your test back, right? Then you know, yeah. so,
2: well well uh, let me let me defend Dave Yost a little bit. You know his 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 role his role in this process was simply, you know, you submit the proposed amendment and you submit a summary cuz you got to put that summary on the petition. Yes. And his role was simply to say is this summary fair and truthful as to what is contained in this proposed amendment? He said, yes, it was fair and truthful. And he said, I'm not saying it's the wise thing to do. It's a good policy decision, etc. And the problem is, they almost repeated verbatim the entire amendment in their summary. Okay? Yes. It wasn't really a summary. It was kind of a repeat of the entire amendment. But when you repeat it almost verbatim, yeah, it is fair and accurate, whether or not it's that –
1: well and that, the, that was what, his letter that he issued and we did, we did publish that. He explained his yeah. actions and said that look, I am pro life, but without prejudice, I am to uh fulfill my role as uh attorney general and and so I thought he was right in that. Yes.
2: He was uh, the ballot board is really the, the amazing process. If you look at it. the the entire meeting when they considered this took 8 minutes. It's all, it's on the Ohio channel. You can go to the Ohio channel and see it. The total time they spent on this amendment was probably about a minute and a half. They spent just as much time administering the oath to two new members as they did considering (laughs) this amendment. So it was eight minutes total, but they did a lot of other stuff in that eight minutes. There was no debate. It was so disappointing. Um, that No discussion, no saying, okay, here's our job. Here's what this amendment is proposing. Does not meet that criteria? And that's play devil's advocate. Yes, it does. Yes, it, no, it doesn't. None of that. None of No real analysis. And so we basically have argued, one of the arguments we're making is that the ballot board abused its discretion in not splitting it because they exercised no discretion. When you don't do anything, when you don't give a reason for what you did, you didn't exercise any discretion whatsoever. You just rubber-stamped it blindly. And that's really what happened in this case with the ballot board, and, and, and so, that, like I said, that's one of the arguments. We'll kind of see if, uh, if we can get traction on that or some of the other arguments we'll make.
1: We're talking with Attorney Kurt Hartman, and he is uh, with the law firm of Kurt Hartman out of Cincinnati. Uh, attorney, thank you for joining us today, Attorney Hartman, and thank you for what you're doing in this case. We'll be watching it carefully, uh, and we just need to be ready because uh, these folks are going to continue to, to collect signatures, if the court does not grant us uh, mandamus action, then we're going to have to fight them on the ballot in November, and so yeah. everybody ought to be ready.
2: No, but you know, thank you, Chris. And, you know, I, I think it's important, win or lose this case. I think the case was important or is important because, one, like you said, some people kind of viewed we were just kind of laying down on the issue and, okay, no, we've got to be challenged, you know, the, the other side at every turn, not take anything for granted. And I think it's been good. I think the publicity... That we've been able to generate on this is kind of waking some people up, you know, as as to what's going on in Ohio and what how radical of a proposal we have uh, being put before us or attempted to be put before us. So, you win win or lose on it. I think it's served a good purpose. Hopefully, we do win because uh, we want the people of Ohio to be fully informed on what they're voting on and not to be deceived through through um, linguist, what I call linguistic gymnastics. In the ballot language. And that's what I think we've got it.
1: That's right. Well, Attorney Hartman, thank you so much for being my guest today. God bless you, friend. And listen, we'll have you back when the decision comes down. Perfect. Thank you, Chris. And thanks to your listeners. Thank you, sir. And again, that was Attorney Kurt Hartman from Cincinnati, and he's filed the mandamus action. That link is on our website at ohioca.org. Also, the link to the Heartbeat Law case is there, and you can follow both those court cases on our website. And other information concerning the abortion ballot uh, with the pro-aborts, trying to put it on the fall ballot, and folks, we have to defeat it. So this is the legal challenge, but we're going to have to start educating our family, friends, and uh, folks at church to tell them to be prepared in case they do make the ballot in November. We have to defeat it. This is Chris Long uh, with the Ohio Christian Alliance, and you can follow all the work that the Ohio Christian Alliance does at our website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless.
3: be afraid be very afraid there are those in washington who want the irs to take more of your hard-earned money Ah! are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme unreasonable program and for all the fraud waste and abuse in our system well good news i can help george satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make it makes no sense that the more you make the more they take let george help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today instead of a victim you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today, and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from, and as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Trust Blue Review The following is a previously aired broadcast.
0: Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long.
1: And welcome to this edition of News and Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to give you a statehouse update in this program, and then later in the hour we're going to hear from State Representative Gary Click, and he's going to be talking about the Ohio SAFE Act, that's House Bill 68, which would ban transgender agenda in the Ohio schools and with minors. It would protect our youngsters against the radical transgender movement that's trying to Uh, push a psychology, counseling, uh, also hormonal treatments, and, God help us, surgeries on minor people uh, saying that they are not the birth sex that they were born with. He's going to talk about that legislation. That's House Bill 68. And actually, Representative Click was with us last night at our public forum in Wadsworth at the Nazarene Church that the Ohio Christian Alliance hosted, along with State Representative Scott Wiggum. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I'd like to begin with a verse of Scripture, because when we see all the news today that we're confronted with as Christian people, we can, our hearts really, at times, can be uh, depressed by what we see in the news. But let's take courage for what the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, that it's not by might. Nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's encouragement from God's word today when we consider all that it confronts us in our world today. And yet, uh, he giveth us the victory. So I just want you to be encouraged with that. And uh, I am as well from that hope from the word of God. Well, there's so much to talk about. And actually, we have, of course, a real threat to the pro life community in the state of Ohio. After the fall of the Dobbs decision last June, which was historic as the, excuse me, the Dobbs decision, which was the fall of Roe v. Wade, uh, the Dobbs decision was the the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade last June, was such a major victory for pro-lifers who have fought for nearly 50 years on the pro-life battle in this country since Roe v. Wade was enacted in 1973. So on June of 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court, after three justices that were appointed by uh, President Trump, it basically was a conservative court looking at the constitutionality of the of the law and overturned Roe with the Dobbs decision. At that time, o- uh, Ohioans and Americans across the country, we rejoiced, we wept, we congratulated each other on the overturning of Roe, And uh, we were delighted and just celebrated that finally Roe v. Wade, abortion on demand through all fifty states, was finally had come to an end. Well, there wasn't much time to rejoice as we had to get to work right away to uh, move along with the laws that had been passed in the states uh, restricting abortion when a heartbeat is detected. Here in the state of Ohio, we have Ohio's heartbeat law, and that law basically stated when a heartbeat is detected, an abortion cannot take place. And so there's provisions there of which uh, monitors have to be uh, placed, and uh, if a heartbeat is detected, abortion could not take place. So thank God for that law, because it did save babies this summer, because immediately after the Dobbs decision and the overturning of Roe, State Attorney General Dave Yost filed with the federal court, where uh, where the heartbeat law had been held up in, and and fought for the release of the injunction in which the court did grant that after the Dobbs decision. And so the heartbeat law went into effect for several months here in the state of Ohio. And to our reports from across the state, it was saving lives. And there was wonderful testimonies by pro-lifers that were out in front of abortion centers and women coming out and saying they can't do business today, and I didn't want to do this anyways, and can you folks talk to me, and just... Testimony after testimony of wonderful reports of women who had kept their children because the heartbeat law went into effect. Consequently, not long after, in Cincinnati, there was a municipal judge and Planned Parenthood, Ohio, an abortion interest. They went ahead and filed a lawsuit against the heartbeat law, and that court judge basically put a stop on the heartbeat law It now went back to the states. Remember, the Dobbs decision basically didn't uh, make abortion illegal in all 50 states. What it basically did was send it back to the states. So states like Ohio that have heartbeat laws went into effect, or other pro-life provisions went into effect, and some of them met with legal challenge by the pro-abortion interest. Well, this case is now before the Ohio Supreme Court, as— Attorney General Dave Yost at the beginning of this year filed in uh, a, a um, uh, case to bring it to the state supreme court, and um, that's where we're going to appeal it. And it is believed that the the Ohio Supreme Court will uphold Ohio's heartbeat law. Well, last night we had a policy forum with State Representative Scott Wiggum and Representative Gary Click, and we talked about a number of issues. We talked about the sixty percent threshold. That is uh, changing Ohio law that when a state constitutional amendment is on the ballot, that it would take 60% threshold for its passage. Currently, it's just a simple majority, and with that comes all kinds of problems. In fact, the federal template to change our U.S. Constitution is two-thirds. I personally believe we should make it two-thirds, which would be 67% passage uh, for an approval of amending our Ohio Constitution. You know, the Ohio Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, were not uh, written so that they're easily changed, and so that it would have to be an overwhelming support uh, for that. And so uh, our founders in the framework of our nation with our federal constitution laid that out. But um, some time ago, back in 1912, with progressives, they wanted Uh, that you could change the state constitution with a simple 51 percent measure. So we've had this uh, in place all these years. And we've had some pretty screwy things put in the Ohio Constitution as a consequence of that, namely the casinos that passage a few years ago. And in fact, that ballot language actually referenced um, real estate of where the the, casinos were to be placed. And so, you know, later they had to change that because you can't uh, basically codify into the Constitution uh, a monopoly. And that's what was happening with those casinos with the passage of it. And so there was a big debate that happened. And what happened with the casino gaming? Well, you had millions and millions of dollars pour into the state of those who wanted casinos and to make money uh, with casino gaming in Ohio. And so our Constitution was basically up for sale uh, to the highest bidder. Whoever came in with the biggest checkbook, they could buy a piece of our state Constitution. Well, that's not what we, the people, want. And look, as the director of the public policy group, the Ohio Christian Alliance, we believe in the people's initiative, but it's, it's long since not been that for some time now. Okay, we did in 2004 pass the marriage amendment. It actually passed by 62%. Uh, We were involved with the healthcare freedom amendment a number of years ago, uh, which was uh, fighting against Obamacare and saying that our personal health choices were our own. That passed by over 60 percent. Or how about Marcy's Law, defending uh, the victim's rights? Um, That passed by over 60 percent. So you see, it's really not that difficult for a 60 percent passage if the majority of people of Ohio want it. We personally believe that most Ohioans do not want abortion on demand to the ninth month of pregnancy, even uh, doing away with our law on partial birth abortion. We fought for that some 25 years ago and got that into law here in the state of Ohio. Then we got a 20-week ban on abortion, a ban on Down syndrome children, where if people didn't want, uh, that it was determined by sonograms that uh, or ultrasound that their child had, uh, you know, Problems, and it was a Down syndrome child that they could abort it for that purpose. We thought that that was wrong to take human life for that purpose, and uh, so we got a ban on Down syndrome uh, children. And then we've got the heartbeat law, of course, when a heartbeat is detected, and we have parental parental notification in the state. What does that mean? Well, that means if your underage daughter uh, is being counseled for abortion by a school counselor, you have to be notified. And so that would all go away, folks, if this radical pro-abortion agenda, the ballot issue that's currently currently they are circulating for petition. And I want to warn you about that. Be careful what you sign out there right now, okay? And so these presenters, they may say, "Well, this is about health care and it's about choice," and you know, it's like, "Well, who would be against that?" Look at the fine print and read. And if it's the abortion uh, ballot issue please, you know, do not sign that. Uh, do not help these people get to the ballot. Uh, you don't have to sign that. Be, be aware of what's being presented to you in, in signature, because it's your, basically your affidavit, and you're helping them get to the ballot, and I'm not sure that's what you want to do. But let's go a, to a clip, because breaking news came out of the state house today with State Senator, Senate President Matt Huffman, about the 60% threshold. Now, before we go to the clip, let me give you a little bit of background. So we've been working with the legislature to try to increase the the constitutional amendment process to 60% for passage. Now, the legislature can put a measure directly on the ballot where the people would have to uh, secure enough signatures. So, for for instance, the abortion ballot measure needs 412,500 signatures, good ones, Verified by the Secretary of State's Office that they are registered voters in the state of Ohio and current uh before it could be certified for the ballot in November, and they're probably going to shoot for a million signatures because a number of them get thrown out of course, so that group is busily collecting signatures right now. How successful they're going to be they have until July fifth to turn in those signatures but let's go back last November December in the lame duck session. this was um uh, being considered the 60% threshold, and unfortunately, that did not get done. And so then the next window of time was up until February 1st, with the new legislature being sworn in in January. They had till February 1st. They could have uh, put, placed it on the ballot, would have taken 60 votes in the House and a majority in the Senate, two-thirds in, in the Senate, and that they had that. They didn't even have to go to the governor's desk. They could have placed it on the ballot for a May primary, and then we would have voted for it in May before these folks get to the ballot in November. Now, a constitutional amendment change by signature petition has to be on a general election. That's November. But the legislature could put it on a special primary or a special election. And that's why I want to bring you up to date, because we all lost heart when the 22 Republicans joined the 32 Democrats and went ahead made some kind of deal and you got to assume at this point that deal was that the 60% threshold was off the table for Jason Stevens to get the 32 Democrats to vote for him for speaker and upending Derek Marin the the strong conservatives uh chance to become speaker with the 45 Republicans basically looking and saying what just happened well because a coup took place a betrayal and uh, this is no secret we've talked about it on this program that the Ohio Republican Party, even in their central committee, rebuked the 22 for voting with the Democrats for speaker. And then a number of county party uh, chairs across the state are conducting censure uh, measures and uh, basically statements of rebuke to those 22 who voted against the party interest and voted with the Democrats to elect Jason Stevenson speaker. So there's, there's really kind of an impasse in the Ohio House. Now, here's Senate President Matt Huffman talking about the 60 percent threshold because it's not dead yet, even though we didn't get it done in a lame duck bat in December, or meet the February deadline for the May primary. Here's what Senate President Matt Huffman had to say today in his State House news report with Karen Kessler of the Ohio State House News Bureau. Let's take a listen.
4: Groups are gathering signatures in Ohio for a constitutional amendment on reproductive rights. Meanwhile, there's a hearing Wednesday on a plan to require amendments get 60 percent voter approval. And a key Republican leader is suggesting a possible statewide vote on the 60 percent requirement amendment before the abortion amendment is voted on. August elections were abandoned in the law that takes effect next month requiring voters to show photo ID. But Senate President Matt Huffman says there could still be a special statewide election in August to vote on the proposal to require 60% of voters approve constitutional amendments.
1: So the answer is yes. I think that, um, you know, we have, of course, the August primary as a recurring uh, election was removed, but there are a lot of special elections that we have, you know, whether it's for Congress, and seems to me when we were dealing with redistricting 10 years ago, we actually had two primaries set, one in May and one in June, because of congressional map problems and things like that. So I think, yeah, I think that's a possibility that that could be placed on an, uh, in a special election in August.
4: House Speaker Jason Stevens says he hasn't heard that, but he's glad that there will finally be a hearing on the idea. The sponsor of the 60% requirement amendment said in a letter in December that it could shut down efforts to put abortion access and redistricting changes in Ohio's Constitution. Karen Castler at the Ohio Public Radio State House News Bureau.
1: So, State uh, Senator Matt Huffman, the Senate president, made news today that uh, possibly We will be voting on a 60% threshold constitutional amendment uh, increase on the August primary. I have to say, we're in favor of that at this point. We didn't fight all these years for these pro-life laws to be dismissed by radical abortion interests coming into the state of Ohio. They can't get it through the legislature. The The radical liberals can't get it through the legislature. They can't win these House races. All, the Republicans won all statewide office holders. They won, uh, they hold a majority of the congressional districts. Uh, they won the U.S. Uh, Senate race last year. They won all three state Supreme Court races last year. And so what does the radical left do? Here they come, exploiting our state constitutional amendment process, which is just 51% could wipe away three decades of legislative work. Folks, we can't let that happen. So I'm going to ask you to join on support. If this actually gains momentum of a 60% threshold on an August ballot, we're all for it at the Ohio Christian Alliance. We'll be out advocating for it in advance of that November disastrous abortion law that would be abortion through the ninth month. That's not what Ohioans want. And when they, You won't hear that in the ads from the radical left, I guarantee you, and including transgender surgeries in there as well. And that taxpayer-funded is in there for these surgeries. This is the radical language that was on the ballot in Michigan, and uh, the folks of Michigan are still reeling from what happened up there last November. They were the first victims after the June Dobbs decision, uh, which overturned Roe v. Wade. Uh, Michigan was the first the first victims there. Now. They're going to have to fight back for their pro-life cause in the state of Michigan, and we're going to have to hold the line here in the state of Ohio. Let me give you also some other updates from the Ohio Supreme Court. You're listening to News in Focus, a broadcast of the Ohio Christian Alliance. You can visit our website for information uh, about what we're talking about on these legislative items, and that's OhioCA.org, or just search Ohio Christian Alliance. Um, Also, if you have questions, you can also phone us at 330-887-1922. Again, that's 330-887-1922. We are going to be recruiting volunteers to help us with bulletin inserts to the churches on uh, opposing this radical abortion ballot measure that they're collecting signatures currently. Well, let's talk about that, shall we? Because the state attorney general, Dave Yost, really shocked us all when uh, he, on the first draft, approved the ballot language of the pro-abortion group. Now, normally, the state attorney general, it is his, his, uh, what's his role? Well, his role is to uh, accept the language, review it, to see whether it um, uh, is a legal, fair, or truthful statement. Okay, so he's not making judgment on it. Dave Yost has said repeatedly, I'm a pro-life individual. I am uh... i'm very pro-life i stand for the cause of life uh... he's made that known he's uh... you know done that in office uh, throughout his career however as state attorney general he can't deny these people access to the ballot he simply has to review the language we were surprised that the state attorney general's office which is a group of attorneys that work with the state attorney general as well so let's keep that in mind uh, reviewed the language and basically uh, said that um, it was truthful in statement on the first draft. That's almost never done, by the way. I mean, normally they always send it back to the group and saying there's problems here and they'll resubmit it. And there's like 10 days in each submission to uh, the draft before it's approved. So it does hold them up a uh, a bit through that process. Well, we were stunned that that happened so quickly. Then comes uh, the ballot uh, board. Well, what does the ballot board do? Well, they determine whether it is single subject, okay? And that was chaired by uh, a former Secretary of State, uh, I'm sorry, current Secretary of State, Frank LaRose, two other Republicans and two Democrats or serve on the Ohio ballot board. In a unanimous decision, they stated that the ballot language was single subject. Well, Cincinnati right to life with uh, some uh, folks down there in Cincinnati, have filed a lawsuit. And they yesterday made some news when they filed a mandamus writ of ballot language filed at the Ohio Supreme Court. And that happened yesterday. Well, what are they saying? They're saying, hey, this is multi-subject and we're appealing that this go back to the ballot board to divide this abortion ballot language up into two or more parts, not just one. So that's big news. And that was Cincinnati Right to Life who did that yesterday. So that's, that's huge. And uh, there's been action on that where there's a number of um, looking actually. If you go to our website, OhioCA.org, you can actually click on the um, link for that court case and see it in progress. So we encourage you to do that. You can see the filings as they're submitted on that mandamus action of writ on the board, ballot board language. That's on our website, mandamus writ on ballot language filed at the Ohio Supreme Court. Click on that link, and it will bring up for you the case docket. Um, and so that that's important. Also, Ohio's heartbeat law, as things progress there with the appeal of State Attorney General Dave Yost, to basically uh, defend Ohio's heartbeat law, that link is also on our website. These are very helpful uh, items for you to look at. Also, the abortion ballot language, uh, that, at, that this is the language as was approved. Okay, now, again, if the court sends this back, it may change in divisional parts. Uh, the language won't change, and so you need to take a look at that. And then in the coming weeks we're going to have a ballot, uh, excuse me, bulletin inserts for you to distribute at your church, handouts to begin to educate yourself and your other fellow Christians at your church and let your pastor know about it, uh, to pass these out and uh, to basically urge people not to vote, if this thing ends up on the ballot in November, not to vote for this ballot measure and to inform people right away, because we need to really start rallying the troops, defend the cause of life against this radical abortion ballot measure. So again, uh, last night was a great public policy forum with State Representative Scott Wiggum on the 60% threshold, State Representative Gary Click, who will join us in just a few minutes. We interviewed him last week. We're going to replay that this week. Again, on House Bill 68, the Ohio Safe Act. And I got to tell you, Pastor Gary Click, I want you to pray for him because uh, basically he is really doing a ministry here and dealing with a lot of people who have de-transitioned, meaning sometime in their youth they had transitioned from their their uh, basic the, the sex that they were born with to another identity and now have de-transitioned back, and so these people have. Really incredible stories, and it's heartbreaking, but yet we want to protect them with House Bill 68. Representative Gary Click is going to talk about that in just a few minutes. And I thank you for listening today. Again, you can support the Ohio Christian Alliance at our website. There's a Donate button there at the top. And just visit us at OhioCA.org. Keep us on the air here on the broadcast. And again, just a contribution of uh, any amount would be greatly appreciated. And again, all that information... Uh, that we've talked about today is on the website at ohioca.org. Thanks for listening. God bless.
0: You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.